Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And their families. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Take you until noon. Ben Kirchival coming up. Some more college football conversation with Ben. Uh, we'll preview. Are we going to preview the Jets and the Broncos? you want to get into that? Gross. No. <laughs> it is gross, isn't it? We had a great day of baseball. Do. You want to talk about that garbage? Look, I love the NFL as much as anybody, but come on. We're baseball guys. Yeah, I know. But my team's... Hopefully, going to get beat. So I and you're rooting against your team. You're, I am rooting. You're against not even team. coming in optimistic. No, you, I'm optimistic the Jets will win. You are. Well, I hope. It's all about Trevor Lawrence. Maybe baby. we'll give it a minute. I'm uh, okay. <laughs> like you used to do, Jimmy B in the NBA. You're right, crappy NBA yeah. minute. Uh, let's get John Bonecamp in here. A number of topics to get to with John. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Hawkeyes. But John, as always, thank you for coming on. We appreciate. It. Where I want to start is as you covered the Burlington sure. Bees for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, the agreement ended between ma- minor league baseball and major league baseball. Clinton, uh, the Lumberjacks and Clinton, the Burlington, the Bees, all across the country, John. It seems like there's a whole bunch of, you know, smaller communities that have had that one thing that everybody gravitates to, and that's the baseball team in the summer, yep. right? Uh, it's a yeah. staple. It's Americana. And sadly, seemingly, in a lot of these cities, that's not going to be the same uh, starting as early as next year. Yeah, it is disappointing. I mean, Major League Baseball, as I, as I wrote yesterday, they ran out the clock on the agreement with with Minor League Baseball. It expired uh, yesterday. And now everybody kind of waits to see what ne- what's next. I mean, Major League Baseball wants to get down to 120 affiliates, you know, out of 160 that they've had. Um, and there are, there are communities like Clinton, like Burlington, uh, a lot of them out there right now that are really uneasy because their names have been on the various lists that have come out during the year. And, you know, and even, and, you know, and honestly, even the, the, the teams that, that would, you would think are safe are really uneasy right now because they may, they may have to have, you know, faci- new facility standards and, and, and other things like that that maybe they can't afford, especially after a summer of no baseball. So right now, all around minor league baseball, there are a lot of people waiting for that next shoe to drop, and they're waiting to see who's on the list, and they're waiting to see what they're going to have to do to keep a team. And and it really is it's a shame. It's it's a shame at what's being done, but you know, major league baseball has plowed ahead with this, and and they're going to do it. 
It's uh, difficult circumstances all around. And, and the other part of Major League Baseball, as we look at uh, minor league baseball, excuse me, to next year, is how many fans are going to be allowed in attendance. It's not like right. we flip the calendar to 2021 and automatically everything's fine. There's still the great unknown there. I know the NBA, uh, Silver talked about that before game one yesterday. Can minor league places, can they work with capacity at 15, 20%? They need to have fans in the stands. And some of their bigger events and the bigger days where they get you know close to a full crowd, those are important for those kind of stadiums. How do you look at the viability for a lot of these minor league teams without being able to have even close to capacity? It is, it is going to be an issue, especially, I mean, Really, you know, for a lot of the Midwest teams, you know, and you think about a lot of those crowds for those April and May games, there aren't a lot of people there. So they can kind of get away with it for a while. But then when you get into the summer, and, I mean, you you think about what Principal Park's like on a June night, you know, if there's some sort of promotion, and, and you think about how crowded it is. And you think about some of the other ballparks around the state when, when on certain nights that have big crowds. And they depend on those crowds for concessions, for ticket sales, for souvenirs, et cetera, et cetera. And if, if, and if you're not going to be able to, you know, have that those people there, that's going to hurt you revenue-wise after a whole season of not having baseball. And, again, there's going to be a lot of requirements. On, you know, when I was talking to the Bees general manager the other day, she said she had to submit to Major League Baseball how big their dugout. Really, and you know now you're going to have to you're going to have to expand dugout Mm -hmm. because of this. You're going to have to expand clubhouse areas. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do a lot of different things. So there's a lot of costs that are going to come with this, and you're not going to be able to recoup those because you may not be able to have full attendance. Maybe until late summer. Maybe not at all. Yeah, I mean the the Cubs are the the big Cubs have already sent out notice that they may at least in the beginning they are hopeful that season ticket only would be allowed season ticket holders. That's a great point, John, about uh, the expansion of some of these ballparks uh, in the minor leagues. Well, fingers crossed. I hate to see. I'd hate to see it happen. Uh, and hopefully that where things work out, so Burlington and Clinton and fans, you know, their ball team in their town and their community across the country are able to watch their squad. So let's get into your team from last night. It was the late game and just an unbelievably fun day of baseball uh, yesterday. And, John, the way the game started yesterday, the way that was, was Sutter, he could, Sutter couldn't f- throw a strike to save his yeah. life, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be brutal. But the game was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was – I, you know, you, you start I – always, I always have watched enough of these playoff games to know you never want to squander opportunities. And when – you know, they only get three runs out of those first two innings when they should have probably had six or seven. You get a little worried, and then you give up a two-run home run, and then you get, you know, it's just, it, it, and, and with the best two out of three series, it, it, you know, it's the crap shoot at this point. So, but, but I mean, again, give them, give the Dodgers credit for, I mean, they, I mean, they, they, they end up with 15 strikeouts. I think that, that's, a, that's a pretty good night for that pitching mm-hmm. staff. So, um, I'll, I'll take a 4-2 win. October mornings are always better there's a yeah. Dodger win in the postseason. So <laughs> it feels like the world is right. When At the Bowen Camp House, it does. Yeah. Yes. 1988. Yes, exactly, yeah. 1988. Okay, whatever, whatever. Well, it's Kershaw today. Yep. Still feeling great. Yeah. I, mean, I know you're always confident about your squad. Yeah, they'll but be fine. It, they'll be fine. Yes, we, we know that. But yeah. I was reminded again yesterday with the Cardinals, uh, no chance, and they just go out there, start no. hitting the ball right away. There is something different with playoff baseball. I know as a Twins fan, 18 consecutive mm-hmm. losses. There is something that lingers there, even as the players change, as managers change. 
it's always still there inside of the fan base. Ultimately, bad things happen in the playoffs with the Dodgers, and they're making a run. Could this be a good thing, not really having fans in the stands that you don't have those murmurs, you don't have those thoughts and those memories, and some of the bad vibes that maybe can come from a fan base when things ultimately go south at some point in a series? Oh, I think you can feel the vibes, you know, and I mean, we've all been in ballparks and we've all been in stadiums where, you know, fans, you can kind of sense that that, that, that dread, I guess. And when you don't have 55,000 people, now I do think it's caused problems for players who need that energy, and Kenley Jansen, I think, is one of them, mm. and he's even said that, and I think it's been part of his issue here, especially late. But it, I think in a lot of ways it is good because you're just kind of yourself. You're within yourself. You know, you're within the dugout. You're within the clubhouse. You're within yourself. You're not – there isn't the outside noise. And I think for, for the Dodgers, I think it's a good thing because I think that there is that sense of dread that, you know, something's going to happen. We've seen it way too many times here over the last few years. You know, really good teams. Now, granted, they were cheated in 2017. But um, there is that sense <laughs> of dread. I mean, they're, 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 they're – there is that, you know, um, I was thinking last night when they put Blake Trinan in the game, and I'm like, man, every year there's some, there's some reliever that they've renovated, and, and, he, and he has a great season, and then he comes out and just is, is terrible in the postseason. You saw Joe Blanton and Ryan Madsen and all them, and, and they ended up getting out of that inning, and I thought, okay, now this will be okay. So, yeah, there's always that sense of dread. You get that this time of year. It doesn't matter what team you root for. You get that sense of dread. Uh, I couldn't convince Trent that the, that baseball made a mistake and did by not reseeding, especially with a five-game series coming up in the divisional round. Look, the Dodgers are an overwhelming favorite to win it all. Uh, but they, they had the Padres not lost the one and the two in their rotation. I was looking forward to watching that and preferably watching it in the championship series. I mean, John, we may get... Miami's up one nothing. Cincinnati should be up in their series. They just yep. couldn't push a run across. So we could have seen six versus seven. Meanwhile, the Dodgers and the Padres, who feel like a championship series, were going to go a five-game set. Do you think yeah. baseball missed an opportunity or, or, or should have reseeded uh, these playoffs as they went along? I think they should have reseeded. I mean, the bracket thing's kind of fun, and it does kind of have that NBA tournament feel. But I think you reseed it. I, I think you have to. You know, because like I said, because like you said, you could have, you know, and, and and who knows what it'll look like come Friday, but yeah, you could have had Marlins and Reds on one side and, and Dodgers Padres on the other, and it's like, um, you know, the NFL tries to avoid that, and 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 you know, and I, I think I think Major League Baseball should have done the same thing again. I, I you know, I, these are things. Guy, really hope they don't do this expanded postseason down the road with this many teams and the best of three, et cetera, et cetera. I hope this is a one-time deal. But I think for this year they should have done that because I, I think it, it does a disservice to the game to to have two really good teams face off, you know, in, in the semi, you know, well, but, you know, in the division series. So yeah, they should have done something like that. You would have liked to see that. My idea: go to six in each league. Division winners get a opening round bye, if you will. Yep. The five plays the six in a one gamer. Then the four plays the winner of that in a three gamer at the four. The best wild card teams. Home ballpark, and then you go from there to the division series. You like my idea? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I kind of like the 
where one and two get a bye, and then you get the two series, and then they feed into each other. So that that would be a good way to do it too. So, uh, John, there was seldom an event at the Iowa Speedway that you weren't covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemingly uh, getting some, you know, some concerning news about the future of the Speedway. I guess IndyCar is not going back there. Schedule yeah. is out. What What are you hearing there? And, and does this bode well for the future of the Newton Track? I, I think once we see what the Xfinity and, and the truck series races do, what that schedule looks like, I think we're going to have a clearer idea. You know, if they race there next year, I think it, it you know, it kind of maybe kicks the can down the road a little bit, and maybe it's a sign that NASCAR wants to keep it open. But if when those those schedules come out, if, if Iowa Speedway's not on it, then I, I think that it's, you know that it's done mm. and it's sad i mean i this is this is a great track and, and and drivers have loved it and whether they're indycar guys or you know the cup guys that would come in and race in, in, in what used to be the nationwide series and now the xfinity series and um you know everybody has loved it but it just at some point it needed to get a cup race yeah and for whatever reason nascar didn't want to do it and I think really about maybe five years ago, if if when they handed out all those track charters to you know guarantee tracks that they would have given one to Iowa Speedway and given them a Cup race, I think things are a lot better. I always said it would have been a great place for the All Star race because you know it's, it, you're not taking away a date from a, from a track on the on the on the schedule. You're not taking away you know that sort of thing, and you're on a short track that everybody likes that, that provided good racing. But NASCAR just didn't want to didn't want to take that leap, and you know at some point it had to get one, and and it, it you know and when the cup schedule came out and they weren't coming there, and now that you know and like I said once you see the, now you see the Indy cars aren't coming, it it doesn't bode well at this point, and it makes me sad because it's a great track, great people there, in the you know it just it just didn't happen for them. We are into October. Big Ten football will return yes. in 24 days. And uh, pads are popping. They're out there. They're practicing starting, what, just a day ago that they were able to get back out there onto the field again. What's your anticipation level? What do you think this Iowa Hawkeye team expectations, a 5-3 and three type of year? Where are you at right now as you look at Iowa coming into this eight-game uh, scheduled season before the ninth? You know, it really is interesting because it's like, um, you would have liked to have seen a first-year quarterback or first-year starter um, get summer reps and and that sort of thing, and and you know you would like to see him get spring reps and that sort of thing. So that to me is like one of the biggest question marks with this team. And you know I'm I'm curious to see who else opt out opts out at this point. I mean I know we've heard the, the Jimon Colbert, you know that he's not going to play, and, and I, I think there's probably going to be a couple others, but. You know, I want to see a depth chart. I want to see where they're at. Me right too. Now. I mean, that, I mean, you know, let, let's think. I mean, we want to hear from these guys. We want to. We want a Kirk Ferentz Zoom call. We want. We want to hear from. Them. I mean, that to me is when I think the, the excitement's going to ramp up once we get some of that stuff in hand because it's time to start talking football. I mean, there's okay. been so much. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's time to start talking football. It's time to start being. You know, this is a season coming up, and 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 I think you you need to start. You know, we like I said we need that depth chart. We need to start talking about guys and 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 positions and that sort of thing, and who's number one, who's number two, and and I, I think it would be good for everybody to kind of get into that mode now. Now that we're in October, we're just you know a few weeks away from the kickoff. So you know, let's like I said, let's start talking about football. Let's start talking about basketball too. You know, so good stuff. Um, 
Yeah. I'm so. with you, John. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. We will uh, talk to you down the road. Thank you, John Bowencamp. Yep. Have a good one. You See do you the later. same. Good to talk to John Bowencamp. Covered a lot of uh, topics. Uh, speaking of Zoom calls, John mm-hmm. Lester just met with the Chicago Cubs media. Yeah. Thanked them at the end of the Zoom call for what they for the relationship they've had in his time in Chicago. Now I'm not saying he's waving the white flag today, but starting yeah. pitchers don't talk to the media when they start on the day of their start. Sounds like it. I mean, Lester realizes, right? I don't. know. Do you think he retires? Yes, I think he does too. Yeah, I mean, this guy's got plenty of money. I mean, right. This last contract was buck fifty, hundred fifty million, I think. What has John Lester made in his career? Take a stab at it. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 200 million. I was at 160. I think you're low. That's. Yeah, I am going to be low. I think it was the last contract with the Cubs. Yeah, it was, was, 155. It was 155. Yeah, so going to be way low on that. Career earnings added all up. Da, da, da. He has made. Uh, 135 at this point with the Cubs, so add so 155. He made 42 with the Red Sox. So, yeah, we're right in and 2.5 with the A's. $200 million. <laughs> throw a baseball. Throw a baseball every five days. And only to home plate because he can't throw it to first. Right. And you get a per diem. <laughs> right. So when you're on the road. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my. Good for them. Good for yes. them. And, you know, obviously, if this is it, if he pitches tomorrow, and I hope he does because that means there's a game mm-hmm. three, but they're not talking to the media on the day that he pitches. Um, we shall see. All right, we're going to switch gears. Good conversation with John Bowenkamp. Boy, I hope minor league baseball and MLB figure yeah. things out. That'll be uh, that's that's a big that's a blow to some of these communities. Burlington and Clinton potentially on the list. Uh, uh, ben Kershaw next. Miller and Condon till noon. Thanks for being with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX and Owen one hundred six. Welcome back as we continue on here in the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon taking you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Back into college football. There's some XFL news today as well. And Ben with CBSSports.com's XFL guy. But we'll talk majority of college football. Uh, CBSSportsAgain.com is where you can read. Ben, Ben Trenton, Ken in Des Moines, thank you for coming on. How's things, Ben Kirchival? They're, they're things Good. going. We're just trying to take it one step at a time. Thank you. boy. Well, you know, let's start with the XFL. That was your beat when the XFL was a thing uh, earlier this year. Uh, going to come back, apparently, in 2022. That announcement was made today. Um, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen uh, pandemic-wise, but it's, you know, it should be gone by then, for crying out loud. But what do you think the chances of success are with this league? What can they learn between now and... And uh, and the resumption of play in 2022 that will lead to success. Well, I don't know that there's a whole lot to learn. I mean, they were doing okay, and then the world stopped. So if you're a startup like that, and you have you know a certain amount of liquidity that suddenly dries up very very fast, and look, Vince McMahon has done a lot of things right in his career. You know, it it's pandemic's even greater than him in terms of, of getting this thing off the ground. Uh, it's a very hard thing to sustain when you're just trying to get going. Uh, so I don't know that, that there is a whole lot that they can maybe take from the first XFL to make this one markedly better. 
Um, you know, I, I think your players kind of are what they are, um, at least in terms of getting off the ground. You're kind of this stopgap uh, between college and the NFL, where maybe plays a little bit better than most college, but not quite as good as the NFL. And, and you're hoping that you find some diamonds in the rough as far as your star players are concerned. You know, P.J. Walker was the uh, really great quarterback for, for Houston last year. And he was the best player in the league, and you know what that earned him was was a backup job in Carolina. So, I mean, that kind of tells you sort of where the talent level is. I, I think long-term, you need to be a viable option for players coming out of college who don't necessarily want to be in college for three years, who want to go and, and earn a paycheck right away, or if not right away, at least, you know, not have to wait three years in order to do it, um, and then be able to take that and, and move on to the NFL at some point. So it, it's really just about finding that right sort of niche and flow with your labor force. Um, now, can they come back in 2022? Again, you're, you're sort of at the, the mercy of whether this COVID-19 pandemic is largely over or not. Um, I think that's always kind of been an optimistic timeline, was about two years. Uh, removed so you know hopeful but again with these startup spring football leagues Mm -hmm. you have more going against it than you do going for it you need a lot of things to go exactly right for it to succeed and you know there's there's a reason why that hasn't happened yet but you know i am pro entrepreneurial spirit and i think one of these days someone's going to get it right so, Ben, uh, the world almost ended down in your home state of Texas with the Longhorns and mm. what looked to be a surefire loss. They come roaring back, down two touchdowns with just a few minutes to play in the game and ultimately get the win in overtime. Where are the Longhorn fan bases here? Is it, hey, we survived. We got our clunker out of the way and we can still be a playoff team. Or are the questions continuing on for Tom Herman and the rest of that coaching staff? Well, I, like you said, they got the win, and they got the win on the same day that Oklahoma did not. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I look at it this way. There are, and this is probably a normal in most years anyway, but I, I think it's especially noticeable this year. There's like two, maybe three teams that are really, really, really good. I mean, who can really play for a national championship? Probably Clemson, yep. probably Alabama, and if Ohio State gets going off the ground, maybe it's the Buckeyes. Yeah. But Outside of that, guys, we didn't have spring football. We had a really disrupted preseason. We had, and, and right now, what you're getting with a lot of these early games, it are a lot of delays. You might play a game early on, and then there might be two more weeks, three more weeks in some cases, before you play another game. That's really hard to get into a flow. And if you have any question marks, which just about every team does, then you're going to have some wild results based off of that. Um, I think what we learned from that Texas game is if you need a play, Sam Ellinger can get you a play. He can get you a couple plays. Uh, th- that's really beneficial to have. Certainly, I think with Chris Ash, defensive coordinator, they have a lot of work to do on that side of the ball. I don't, again, I don't think talent is the issue there. It's just, you know, how can they put themselves in a position to be better tackling, uh, be better in their, in their run fits and their short and intermediate passing games. So, um, just, I think, things to work on there, but a lot of things that a lot of teams have to work on. So, survive in advance, I think that's the name of the game for a lot of teams right now. 
Yeah, Bowman uh, tore that secondary up. Um, you know where I want to go with you, um, Ben Kershaw, CBSSports.com. Larry Scott yesterday apparently at, uh, brought up the fact, you know, guys, is there is, might, might this be a year that we expand the playoffs from four until eight? Inventory seems to be, you know, something that would um, move the needle as far as some people, but I, I'm not even sure it got it to, got to the point of being discussed. He brought it up, but it seemed like there was no interest even for one year expanding to eight. Now, your point was well taken a minute ago that there's really only, as, as we sit here today, looks like three teams that legitimately belong in the conversation. But inventory and trying to replenish uh, bank accounts, I thought if there ever was a year, this was it. Are you surprised it didn't even get brought up? Well, for Larry Scott, I mean, no harm asking, right? What's, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no? All right, well, you sort of back to where you were. So I get why you would ask. Um, again, I, I come back to this. Now, do I agree with your overall point if there was ever a year to expand? Yes, I, I think this would be the year. But I, I also come back to this, and this is just my general worldview on how college football fits into 2020 and maybe even going into next year. You're just trying to get to the next day. You're, yeah. just, you're trying to get to Saturday. Mm-hmm. You can get to Saturday and you can play a game. Guys, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Guys, we've lost 200,000 people this virus in last year, and it's going to be more. We're getting ready to go into flu season. And it's going to be a good long while into next year until we have a vaccine. And until then, it appears that enough people have decided that we're just going to move through this. And that means that we're going to have more deaths and we're going to have more people getting sick. The fact that we're even playing college football in all of this is kind of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, daily testing surely helps. I think that's a big, that's a big step for us uh, in getting to see college football. But you know what? If you don't play full season, you don't play full season. Um, I get wanting the money, especially if you had to think about taking out a billion-dollar loan like the Pac-12 did. You don't want to be left behind. I understand all that. But on their, on their neck of the woods, they're fighting incredible forest fires, and there's a pandemic going on. If you play a full season, great. If you don't, you don't. This is not a lost year per se, but, man, it, this is not a normal year. I'm not even trying to think about it as a normal year. If you can play, awesome. But I, I think it you, you gotta you gotta the urgency is really not there this year. It's really not. Cancellations are a new part of just the way that we have to get ready for seemingly every weekend. Now it's hit the NFL with the Titans and the news that's happened with them. Uh, Baylor wasn't one of those teams stricken. Well, they have three different openers yeah. and finally got on the field yeah. against Kansas. TCU had, had something very similar happen with them earlier this season. Speaking of those teams, and throw Texas Tech in the mix, who just about got it done, as I mentioned, against the Longhorns. Those three other Texas teams, who do you like in the short term? Who do you like in the long term? Three programs at different spots. New coach with Aranda, Baylor, Patterson, the long vet with two decades of experience, and Texas Tech in year number two of Wells. Who do you like short term and long term with those two, those three programs? Well, you know, I was really high on TCU before the season started. Uh, I think if Max Dugan had played that entire game against uh, Iowa State, I think they might have had a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I understand why you wouldn't start him uh, coming back from that that heart condition and just really not having practice with the team. So I'm not going to give on that, give up on that just yet. 
I think they have some really great players on defense, especially in that defensive backfield. I mean, they have a couple of future NFL safeties. Uh, and you know, with Gary Patterson be coaching them up on that side of the ball, I think they have a really cool challenge this week playing against Texas, about two touchdown dog on the road. Uh, so I'm not going to give up on TCU just yet. Um, you know, long term, I, I think Aranda inherited a pretty good situation mm-hmm. um, over there at Baylor. Playing Kansas does not tell you a whole lot. I think we'll find out a little bit more and have to go on the road against West Virginia. Slight favorite there. But, again, a lot of defensive guys you got to replace. Um, but I think they still have weapons. They still have really good offensive weapons. They have good quarterback play. Um, clearly, you know, you can either win there at a high level like Art Browse did, or you can rebuild it within about three years. You know, it, it is not a job that when you have to go in and rebuild, it's going to take you five, six years to rebuild it. You can get it off the ground pretty quickly. So, and Aranda, long time, great defensive line. This was his chance. You know, this was his shot to go out there and, and be a head coach. I think he's going to make the most of it. I, I really like Baylor's positioning with him. Hmm. Interesting. You know, we keep hearing three schools in particular. Uh, next year, they're going to be back. They're, they're back. Miami being one of them, Nebraska being another one, and Texas uh, being being the third one in that conversation. Of those three, does it feel like maybe Miami's close to being back? I mean, they got a quarterback. Their defense is salty. I keep bringing up this Phillips kid, 15, off the, off the left defensive end. He's a freak and a beast and a yeah. hell of a player. They've got a yeah. kicker. Um, is the U, I mean, are they close to being back? Well, if you have a, if you have a quarterback, that, that covers a lot of ground for you. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned the other parts. Uh, you know, good edge rushing. They also have, it, their number one wideout is their tight end. Right, Pitts. I mean, Brevin, Brevin Jordan is ridiculous. Absolute free. I think Florida. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, future future NFL guy. He's playing on Sunday. So they have the pieces. But again, if you, if you have a high-ceiling quarterback, it's going to take you a long way. And with De'Aaron King, they, they got that piece. He is sort of that missing piece for them. Now, they're going to play Clemson here in a couple of weeks. Do I think they're going to beat Clemson? No. Do I think they have the athletes to at least you know, kind of go toe-to-toe with Clemson, make it a little bit interesting. Yes, I, I think they have that. Uh, back is when you are beating Clemson, mm-hmm. to, you know, going for the football playoff. That, that's when you're back. Um, they are in – they have good pieces, and they are in a better position now to be that, you know, number two, number three team in the ACC. I mean, I, you know, Notre Dame certainly still in that conversation – um, but I, I, from an athletic standpoint, I do think Miami is certainly up there in that upper echelon. Ben, big national game of the weekend. I'm not going to throw Alabama, Texas A&M in that mix until we see something from A&M in one of these big games under Jimbo. It is another SEC tilt though, with Georgia-Auburn. We saw Georgia struggle for a half with Arkansas. And a pretty, I don't want to say ho-hum, but a professional victory against Kentucky. Really just controlled that game. From the start, what do you expect to see Saturday night with that one, Georgia Auburn, the oldest rivalry in the South? Yeah, um, you know, Derek Lee, my colleague at CBS Sports, he thinks the wrong team is favored there. Wow, he's calling for he's calling for Auburn to pull that upset. This is this is a hard one because you don't want to overreact. Mm-hmm. You don't want to you don't want to just take one game and then completely run with it. Uh, Georgia's defense is incredible. I mean, they're just they're a very very good unit. Uh, obviously, if you have questions at quarterback, that sort of hinders your potential there. 
is JT Daniel, uh, uh, JT Daniels going to be ready? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been cleared, but is he going to start? And if he does start, how good is he? He hasn't played in over a year. Uh, I mean, I think those are, are considerations as well. To me, Auburn is kind of the safer choice. I, I, I certainly think defensively they're very good, especially up front. You know, Bo Nix is he, he's good. I, I think for him this year moving forward, it's just it's, it's about leveling off those inconsistencies from last year. Um, but, I mean, they got players at wide receiver. Um, so I, I like them in this game. But a lot of it is just going to depend on how much of a jump that Georgia offense takes from from week one to week two for them. And if you just had any types of questions at quarterback and if Stetson Bennett, one-time walk-on who looks about as big <laughs> as I am, yeah. then I just I just don't know if that gives me the confidence to take them straight up. So it's very interesting that they were favored in this game. I, I think Auburn is probably going to get the straight up there. Interesting. Ben Kirschival, CBSSports.com. Ben, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Ben Kirschival, CBSSports.com. Stetson Bennett the fourth. He yep. comes into the game and, I mean, just epitomizes like an he's SEC quarterback. He's 5'8", 160 pounds. They list him at 5'11". Yeah. There's no way that dude's no. 5'11". No, 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 no. And, and I know they're really excited about Mathis, who started uh-huh. the game. Uh-huh. Boy, he, he's not ready, though. You it can see that like from it. the get-go. He was really, really bad in the beginning. Wrong team favored? You buying that? I don't know. Um, he's, the oldest rivalry in the South. Uh, the coaches are chirping back and forth yeah. at each other. <laughs> That's been fun, too. It has been fun. Yeah. Uh, the game's going to be fun. Oklahoma, Iowa State up against mm-hmm. it, though, so that'll take Probably not going to see eyeballs. a ton of that one. No, not like I would have had it mm-hmm. been you know, one of the locals, and there is only one local playing this right. weekend um, in the same window. All right, come back, wrap things up. we got baseball throughout the day today, and, of course, a gigantic game in the National Football League. Is this the final game on NFL Network exclusively? Yes, it goes to Fox next week. That'll be Buccaneers-Bears. At Soldier, that's right. We talked to Cappy about that. He said no fans, at least for the foreseeable future. The undefeated Chicago Bears going into that tilt? Ooh, might have to wait till tomorrow. Well, what's your thought? No, no. I'm not, still not a believer. I know you're not. Got to see more. Yeah. Need to see more out of well, the quarterback position. What have you seen out of Philip Rivers that tells you? This <laughs> not not much yeah, either. I'm Boy. with you. He's one of these, another, these guys that looks like they stuck around a year mm-hmm. too long. And wouldn't it have been great for him to finish his career in one uniform? You know, one helmet. He's a charger for crying out. I, He'll always be a charger. Oh, I know he will, but you just... I you got it, it with He Elway. wants to play. He's got an itch. Yes, yeah. I did. I'm glad. I would have hated to see Elway in a... I don't know. We'll fill in the blank. The, uh, You've the also uniform. benefited with that with Peyton Manning. True, that's true. But but his was a year away from the game for a year with the neck injury. Right. He still would have been with the call. Well, maybe he wouldn't have because they had a well. He, they wouldn't have been in a spot to draft uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck right. had Peyton Manning been healthy. Anyways, we'll come back finish things up. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX and one hundred six point three FM. <laughs> The sports fanatics drive you home every day. Weekdays at 4 on 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. This is K. All right, welcome back again. Thanks to Ben Kirchival, CBSSports.com. Trent in our final eight minutes or so here as we take you up towards the top of the hour. We're underway, Cincinnati and Atlanta. 
Uh, but the rest of the slate, Trent Condon, we've got 1 o'clock, obviously, the uh, Cubbies will be on the tube, the White Sox. An hour later, they are on ESPN. The Cardinals coming off a win in just a picture-perfect Petco Park. Boy, it's a beautiful city and a beautiful ballpark. And then the late tilt tonight. Uh, What kind of day is it going to be? We talked about this early in the program. What kind of day is it going to be for Chicago fans? Is it going to be an ultimate baseball high? Is it going to be an ultimate baseball downer? Or kind of 50-50, one team won, one team lost. They're going to get you. You's going to win this game. Do you think the, he is? The Cubs are going to do enough. They're going to scratch it across. They're going to win this game and force a device, uh, decisive game three tomorrow. I don't know about the pill holes. There, there's so many unknowns about this. Not only Cease getting the start, wherever direction they go there, how quick the bullpen's going to be ready, but Oakland's a good team. Mm-hmm. Watching them yesterday, yeah. White Sox got off to that great start in game one, but... This, to me, embodies a coin flip game. I don't I think have, it is still. I don't have a read one way or the other, yep. or a bet that I would make one way or the other. You know where I am in this game, Trent. As a baseball fan, I want to see the White Sox advance. But mm-hmm. if they don't, look what we're going to get. We're going to get A's versus Houston yeah. and Bad those blood. two teams. Yes, <laughs> I mean that 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 could bring a little bit of extra juice to this in a playoff format. So, but we do. We kind of need the White Sox all of a sudden. We do. We go from... Well, the Cardinals. Have the Cardinals. I was surprised, but again, with the Padres, with the 1-2 blow that they mm-hmm. took to their pitching staff. And how about Lamette? That came out right after we yeah. went off the air. Yeah. Not just not going to start the first two games. Oh, no, he's not on the roster. Not on the roster. But he was in the Cardinals. stands, and they, mm-hmm. I, I was. Uh, I watched a lot of that game, and they were talking that there's a pretty good chance, at least this was the speculation, that he could be back for the next series. Now, Clevenger, that's not the case. Yeah. If Clevenger... I just don't think you can. Can you? This is a young roster that's got a bright future in mm-hmm. front of them. You're going to roll the dice no. with Clevenger with an no. arm injury? No, I don't think so. I don't think you can. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, and you know, and I'd be thinking the same thing with Lament. A young pitcher. They think he can come back. Oh, boy. I'm, this is such a different circumstance. Remember Strasburg when he had yes, the inning absolutely. limit the first time? The window was closed. Now here they are eight years later, and they uh-huh. ultimately won the World Series back in 2019. But... These circumstances are different. I just, I get playing for now. You never know when opportunities are going to come around. You look at this roster, the way they're built, they went the, the way they went out and spent, and all the trades that they made at the deadline. It's still going to be a really good team in 2021. I don't know if I'm mortgaging the future when the Dodgers are still a behemoth. Mm-hmm. Even with a healthy Clevenger and Lament, I don't think they're beating that team in a five game series. I don't think so either. I don't think anybody. Take your lumps, team. lose. You know, growing process, come mm-hmm. back. Those two guys healthy going into spring of 2020. That's a hell of a team. No, just be real back to the, the Cubs real quick. I, I read this before the series starts. So this wasn't building up the starting pitcher in game two after game one went in the win column. But I read uh, the, 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 this Sanchez kid for the Marlins, and I've ne- I haven't mm-hmm. seen him pitch. Sixto. Sixto Sanchez has the best stuff in the rotation. So he throws really hard. Like we talked about this yesterday. They got just so many power arms. Mm-hmm. And he's another one. He's a young man that'll pump it up there 98 99. But not a ton of movement at least on that fast. It, it can get a little straight at times. So I think this is a game they can tee off a little bit. I hope you're right. I, I, I this is one where I told you I don't have a feel betting wise. I'm going to go run line and lay the one and a half 